Hello, welcome to Cinemaniac Jack. I'm your host, Jack. Today's guest co-host is John. How are you today, John? Good. Uh, so basically, the gist of this show is that we talk about films that I love based on whatever the topic of the episode is. And in the first half of the show, I talk to my guest about whatever the topic is. So today's topic is a dystopian film you admire. And the film I chose is Dark City. But first, John is going to tell us some of his favorite his uh, favorite dystopian films. The first film I chose was the movie The Lobster, directed mm. by Yorgos Lanthimos. And basically the premise is, like, single people are given 40 days to find a partner or else they get turned into animals. Yeah. And it's, like, very surreal and it's, like, dry humor yeah, and all. And Colin Farrell and Rachel Weisz and Olivia Colman are in it. And I like all three of those actors and yeah. all. And I just remember it leaving a big imprint on me because um, I would not like that. As somebody who's perpetually single, I would not like the idea of getting transformed into an animal. We we talked about it a lot when we did uh, our uh, the favorite episode, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just like it's just it's such a fucking good film, and I remember you and me uh, just had a blast watching it. I remember when we first when it started, and were I was you first the one who it. wanted to watch it, or did I? No, you were the it? one who wanted to watch it. Mm-hmm. And when it started, I thought like in the beginning it was very kind of dry and like just kind of slow and stuff. But as it went on, it started to, like, really pick up. And it was strange. It was funny, but, like, in such a strange way that, like, you wouldn't that you wouldn't expect. And the whole concept of, like, the idea of people being turned into animals if they don't find a spouse is terrifying. But it's also kind of funny when you think about it. Like, it sounds like something that, like, a comedian would come up with. You know I what know, I mean? but it's terrifying if you're the one trying to find a spouse within 40 days. 40 days isn't enough to know anybody, I don't think. Yeah. Well, I mean, and what we see in the film is that some of them just kind of bullshit their way through it. Just yeah, so I know. They don't get turned into animals, which is also pretty funny, but... Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to say about no, it? No, I just remember it being, like, really funny, and... Would you call it a dystopia? Yeah. Yeah, you'd call yeah. it a dystopia. I mean, what's your official definition, you would say, of dystopia? A fucked up society. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, that's, yeah. that's a good definition, a fucked up society. So I think the lobster definitely fulfills that. There's some people I wish I could turn into animals in real life, but just because <laughs> I don't like them. Not necessarily because I want to mate with them or be in a relationship with them. There's also, there's obviously like a kind of symbolism with the idea of them being turned into animals as well. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely hits you over the head a little bit. It's not that subtle, yeah. And all, but uh, I just love the idea of somebody watching it and be like, "They're actually getting turned into animals," like <laughs> in the play. Um, the second film I chose was Snowpiercer, directed by um, how do you pronounce it, Bong Joon Ho, who also yeah. directed Parasite. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. this is one of his earlier films, and it's in English. Chris Evans stars in it, and basically the premise is all these people are on a train. Global warming's destroyed the Earth and turned it into like an ice age. So now the surviving people on Earth are all on this train, which travels around the world, and all the poor people are in one section of the train, and all the rich people are in like a better section yeah. of the train. So it has to do a lot with like class and rich versus the poor, and it definitely fulfills like the category of uh, dystopia. 
Yeah. Well, also... Um, they turned it into a TV show. And oh, Jennifer really? Connelly's in the TV show. <laughs> Are you kidding? No, I'm serious. It's a TV show. It's so funny. Snowpiercer. It's on TNT. And yeah, Jennifer Connelly's right in it. Maybe we should start watching that. Yeah. Well, I haven't even seen the You gotta see the I movie. haven't seen the original see, film. See, what's so. funny is I liked it. I didn't love the original film. Tilda Swinton, of course, is in it. And Chris Evans is the star. And all. I'm, I'm looking at the poster right now. And it doesn't seem very... Uh, Boon Jong Ho. Yeah. Because you know, I know him from Parasite, and this seems kind of different for him. Oh, it's definitely different, yeah. though. But basically, um, yeah, it has to do with global warming, and it creates a new ice age in 2032. And now there's this train, the Snow Piercer, which like goes around the world, and all the rich people are in the nice section of the train, and all the poor people are crammed like animals in the crappy section of the train. Yeah. And all. That's interesting. Actually, isn't... I'm looking at the poster again. Isn't that guy right there one of the actors in Yes, Parasite? I think so, yes. Yeah, I recognize that. I could that be phrase. wrong, but... No, it is... Um... Yeah, Song Kang... Yes, oh, it yeah. is! Song Kang Ho was in Parasite. Yes, he was the father in Parasite. He was... Um... Kim Ki-tik. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah. he was the dad in Parasite who finally snapped at the end of that movie. The I would call that like, a bit of a dystopia parasite to me. That was yeah. just very fucked up. But mostly I just found it like dystopia, like based on class, the way that the poor people were versus the way the rich people lived Yeah, and all. I mean, he seems very... The whole thing that you mentioned with this movie and like class, that's very parasite, so... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he seems to deal with a lot of class yeah. issues in his movies and all. But that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. The um, next movie I chose was THX 1138, directed by George Lucas. Now, he did this before Star Wars, obviously. And it's set in a dystopian future where the population's controlled by android police and there's drugs given that suppress emotions. And mm-hmm. I think, like, sex, uh, sex is banned and reproduction is prohibited, which I don't understand how that would work because how would you repopulate your society if sex is banned yeah and basically like everybody is like all hopped up on these drugs to enforce compliance and basically people are held prisoner where they're forced to like just work all day and it involves this bald guy played by robert duvall (laughs) yeah where he has to like escape the repressive society and yeah. also, it's very, like, basic. Like, I mean, it's not, like, a brilliant dystopian movie, but I just remember it being notable, at least from an aesthetic perspective, because it reminded me of what Star Wars would later look like yeah. a little bit. This was in 1971, and the first Star Wars was 77. So George Lucas kind of had six years to kind of develop a sci-fi dystopian sort of aesthetic. And he developed it from a student film that he did mm-hmm. and all. I mean, I'm assuming that this film wasn't really that successful when no, it came totally out. No, totally not, no. But in recent years, has it gotten more acclaim? Yes, it's definitely gotten more acclaim. It's considered like a cult classic. I oh, wow, Roger on, Ebert praised it. No, I saw it on... Oh, well, on, he praised the visuals. I yeah. saw it on HBO Max one day in yeah. the, TA, um, the TCM section. And of course, there's been like numerous recuts and edits and all that, as George Lucas does. And the film's title was used as the sound company, THX, yeah. where they're like, Duh. Which has, like, given so many people nightmares. Yeah, that opening scared the that shit out of me. That used to scare the shit out of me when I was going Where there. you hear, like, how does it go? Like, yeah. yeah. But I just remember that. But the movie was good, but I feel like 
after seeing some more modern dystopian films, you watch something from the 70s and you're like, oh, this is so basic. You know what I mean? Like, I just found I mean, the it was plot... like his first film, right? Yeah, but I mean, I most just... first films tend to be pretty basic. But to me, like, it's like been there, done that. Like, when I saw the film and I saw, oh, the population is controlled with drugs, it just made me think of The Giver. Because they do the same yeah. thing in that um, book, which was later turned into a movie. Right? Yeah. Yeah, Meryl Streep was in it. Yeah. I remember. I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those were like at least a few notable dystopian films and oh, stuff. That was all. You well, yeah, had? I can talk about more. No, of course, uh, Blade Runner is like the quintessential. Um, we did a whole podcast dedicated to Blade Runner a few months yeah. ago, and all, and that was really the idea of replicants versus humans scares me. Just the idea you wouldn't know if somebody's a replicant versus yeah. if somebody's a human. But I mean, the thing is, really, is like. In reality, there's not really that much difference between a human and a replicant. I mean, a replicant is basically just a human, but with, like, superpowers, basically. Yeah, but it's, you know... Like... There's you know. this, like, weird cyberpunky aesthetic running through Blade Runner, which I find dystopian, because I don't want to live in, like, a gross, polluted city, you know? Yeah. I mean, it seems to me, like, from... Just, like, from what we've been talking about so far is, like, how... It seems like the core of all dystopian stories seem to be about class. Basically. Some of them. Really. When not you think all about of them. It. Not all of them. I mean, yeah. there's always, like, there's this sort of, like, us versus them kind of Well, it's always an us versus on. them because it's always the people who are getting shit on fighting against these oppressive forces who seek to control them. Yeah. Well, I mean, because it's, like, in Blade Runner, it's, like, the humans versus the replicants. Um... What were what were the other movies that you mentioned? THX one one three eight, um, the lobster. Yeah, the lobster. It's like you know, people trying to fight against uh, being turned into animals. <laughs> uh, well, what about Clockwork Orange? Because that's well, yeah, Clockwork Orange too. I mean, that's obviously, also, that's, yeah. that's probably one of the most famous ones. I would say, with a Clockwork Orange, um, and that's also kind of a class thing as well because it's like. There's, like, the really, the power, the, the people in power who are just kind of fucking everything up. And then there's, like, the the thugs that are just, like, running the streets and uh, like killing people. And then, like, yeah, you see, like, the picture there of them now, with the homeless Now, I have a question. Do you, ever, do you ever watch a dystopian movie and think it hits you too close to home? You're, like, you feel like it could actually occur in real life? Well, or I mean, do- of course it could occur in real life. Yeah, but do you feel like it is actively occurring? Like, have you seen a movie recently or in the past, like a dystopian film where you thought, oh, wow, I could see that, like, happening in the United States in the foreseeable future? Well, it... That's like, don't look, don't look up. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Yes, that's not even movie. That's not really a dystopian film. It's not dystopian, but it felt dystopian. It felt very real. It felt so real. I was like, yeah, if that were to happen, that's exactly exactly how it would happen. happen. Don't look up what was funny is, not to harp on that movie, the critics savaged it. Oh, really? Yeah, it got got a lot of mixed mixed reviews. reviews. It got a lot of, like, well, some people said it was good, but all these critics were like, oh, it's all these Hollywood people being Hollywood. They're hitting you over the head with it and all. But I thought that it was so realistic. It felt yeah. like if a comet really was heading for the Earth... That's how everybody that's exactly would react. exactly how everybody would react. Yeah. Yeah. So was there a reaction, like, has there been a dystopian film that gave you that same sort of visceral reaction you had when you saw Don't Look Up? 
Um, See, because the difference is I can watch Blade Runner and realize that our world is never going to look like that. Like, I can, uh, can kind of separate us from that. It's most likely going to look like that Don't, someday. What, what tells you that? You really think so? Yes, I do. <laughs> Maybe like in a hundred years or two hundred years, but not I don't even. See probably it. like in thirty years. You think in thirty years probably. our world's going? Like, I mean, Tokyo kind of looks like that a little bit. I guess some areas of Tokyo, maybe. Yeah. And all, but like I, I certainly hope it doesn't get all polluted and smoggy and oh, gross. It's, it's going to. <sighs> yeah. This is depressing. Well, that's dystopia for you. I know, but it's like depressing the idea. But the, what always amazes me in dystopian films is, like, how do the normal citizens allow themselves to get taken over by these power-hungry nutjobs? Then again, this country elected Donald Trump, so I'm not, I'm not so surprised, though. When you, you see, I definitely think that there's a link between, like, oppressive things happening in books and movies and, like, them happening in real life. Like, it always impresses me when, like, there's a link between them. Does that make yeah. any sense? Well, yeah. I mean, that's the point, because it's like they're trying to pull from possibilities <laughs> i don't know how else to really explain yeah. it further than that yeah you know real life's getting crazy when it starts like jumping the shark you know it seems like something you would find in one of these movies and all yeah what happened to monday oh yeah well yes, what happened I, to monday what happened very... to monday i thought of that movie because that was really good the idea is that you can only have, like, one kid due to, like, overpopulation. Yeah. And some dude stupidly has, like, seven daughters. Is it seven? Yeah. Yeah. But yes. he... That's... Well, he's the grandfather. He's so the grandfather. I mean, they couldn't help having seven children. Yeah, seven? Really? Seven's a little excessive. I mean, then again, you come from a family of five, so you probably think, eh, add five more. But seven sisters and one identity, and the idea that all these girls have to pretend to be the same person stresses me out because i don't think i could do it was that. a it was a very um creative uh film the way that they chose to show the dystopian world that they were talking about no i actually liked it a lot uh, glenn close was in it willem dafoe was in it but it felt like realistic i mean china look at china they had the two child policy for a while where you could only have two children i think yeah and also, real countries have already tried to institute that in real places, which is scary. Really? What places? China. Well, yeah. Yeah, no, but I mean but just you said China. other places, No, right? I just meant, like, in general. Oh, okay. I meant more so in general and all. Could you imagine if the United States was just like, yeah, you can only have one baby. That's it. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So, today we're talking about Dark City. Uh, so, Dark City is a neo-noir science fiction film released on February 27th, 1998. It was directed by Alex Proyas, who also co-wrote the screenplay with Len Dobbs and David S. Goyer. The story was written by Alex Proyas. Uh, the score was written by Trevor Jones. It stars Rufus Sewell, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, Jennifer Connelly, Richard O'Brien, Ian Richardson, and William Hurt. Um, so this was your time watching this film. What did you... What do you think of it? <laughs> it felt like an orgy of all these different science fiction films <laughs> together. Like, it didn't... My one issue is I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I thought it was smack dab in the middle for me. And the reason why is I felt like it didn't really have its own singular identity. I felt like I could see the inspiration from a bunch of different places. And, like, it felt like a mashup. 
is well, a good way of putting it. I guess so. I mean, this film, I mean, obviously has drawn, uh, people have compared it a lot to The Matrix, which I'm not sure, did this come out before The Matrix or after? A year later, The Matrix so came out. So The Matrix was 1999? Uh-huh. Came out a year later. The Matrix came out a year later. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. Can we just talk about Jennifer Connelly singing for a second? I still prefer um, Isabella Rosalini when it comes to, like, <laughs> in Blue femme Velvet. fatale singing in movies. Superfluous singing that is not needed in the first place. Yeah. Well, I will say, though, like, I love Jennifer Connelly. She's a great actress. They gave her nothing shitty to do in this Shitty part movie. in this film. That's what I Such was a about to say. Part. I'm like, they gave her, like, she's just, like, the she's woman. She's just there to she's be like, the love interest. She's totally there where she's, And like, look pretty. She's yeah. like, John. She's like, I'm your wife. Da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, <laughs> it was, like, the most non-meaty role. I kept thinking that during the movie. I'm like, yeah. she must be really bored right now because they're really giving her nothing like, to do. Like, this guy gets, like, the killer on the run. Richard O'Brien plays this, like, really weird alien. And she's just, like, the wife. I know. I don't know. The useless femme fatale who doesn't do anything. But it's weird, though, because, like, most femme fatales are very, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Sexy. No, not that. Like, they're very, they're not, they're very gray characters, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, there, there's usually, like, a lot more going on with them. Uh, But here, there's not much going on with her character in this film which i think is kind of a shame i think that they could have made her just a little bit more interesting like they try to set up the idea that like she like cheated on him uh but like i don't know they don't explore it that much they don't really like she doesn't really talk from her perspective they don't really show her she doesn't have an agency because she's a woman that's what I think it comes down to. Oh. I think the director or screenwriter or whoever wrote Emma's part was kind of like, eh. Like, that's how it <laughs> yeah. felt. They are like, eh, we'll just cast a hottie to play her. And they chose Jennifer Connelly. Why? I wonder why she agreed to do this film. Like, I would love to know everybody's individual reasons for why. I mean, look at this project. film. I mean, it's like, it's just so. It barely broke even. I mean, the box office was $27.2 million and the budget was $27 million. So it made $200,000. That's it. Wow. So it was a flop. I mean, this yeah. was not like a successful film. But it's, I don't know, like, it's such a creative film, though. No, I, mean, I did find very it Very creative. creative for its time. I mean, of course, you know, there's some, I mean, The Matrix will come afterwards, and there's been so many other, like, movies kind of like The Matrix since then. But, like, I don't know, like, I feel like for its time, it was very uh, unique. I really do like the premise. Uh I mean, just, I mean, visually, I mean, it's just an amazing film. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, just the, 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 the noir aesthetic of it. It's just, it's fantastic. Whoever was like in charge of like designing like the set and all that stuff was, um, was really great. Um, one thing I want to know is why does Murdoch have that ability? The main character, like, how was he given that ability to like alter reality at will they never really yeah they don't really explain which i guess that they're trying to kind of um 
leave that part kind of open-ended, which is fine. You don't need everything, like, Yeah, but me, explained. I want to know why, though. I Initially, because, like, because I, because when we sat down to watch this, I hadn't watched it, like, in a really long time. But I thought, from what I remembered about it, was that it was, um, what's Kiefer Sutherland's character name? The scientist. Dude. The scientist, the doctor, or whatever. I thought that what happened was, was he gave him that ability. Oh. But... I don't think so. I don't know. I think, I, I think yeah, I think he just had the ability. Yeah. Why he had it, I don't know. They don't really explain. But, um... I really like the aesthetic of those creepy aliens. Yeah. Well, and by the way, they were... Their look was based on Richard O'Brien's look. Oh. So basically the reason why everybody looks... All, all the aliens look the way they do is because of Richard O'Brien, which I think is really awesome that is interesting and richard o'brien by the way is just he's fucking awesome in this like he like he was born to play that part like he is 79 oh he's still know? alive oh, yeah cool. yeah he's gonna be 80 this year oh, that's, that's crazy. fucking crazy but yeah it reminded me of like dementor chic if i had to describe yeah. that look like they're all in black it's like funeral clothes but they are genuinely creepy those yeah. aliens well they're like they're aliens living inside corpses, basically. Yeah, but I would have really liked... Uh, what I want to know is more of the science behind, like, how the aliens, like, take over a corpse and all, and kind of... Where did the aliens come from? That's what I want to know. Like, these are the questions I, mean, I again, while watching the well, film. Well, he just says, like, the doctor explains, like, they just kind of came out of nowhere and, like, oh, kidnapped society. bullshit. They just came out of nowhere. I want to know the truth. That's what I want to know. That's my problem, though, because, like... I mean, do you really need to know that much about them? They're aliens that are dying, and they need... Yeah, but I want to know, like, like, how did the aliens come to Earth? How did the aliens take over the city? Also, are people stupid? How do they not realize that the city's always night? Like, it's yeah. always nighttime in the city. And all, like, nobody would remark, oh... There are a few things that I do find a little confusing as far as the logic of the film goes. Like, because we see, like, throughout the film, like, they give... They change certain uh people's like uh, certain characters like identities throughout mm -hmm. the film but then there are some people whose identities aren't changed at all so how does that work like do those people who aren't changed just they're just think that the other people who have changed haven't changed at all or are like do they even bother with their memories like i don't know it's very complicated i know i just don't like the idea of these creepy bald bastards stealing my memories <laughs> i mean that's what well, that's what really makes the film dystopian just the that should be like a t-shirt like with them on it and then at the bottom it says creepy bald bastards no, stealing creepy, your memories bastard stealing my memories i'm just like you know get a get a hobby <laughs> They're dying, Sean. I know, but I don't give a fuck if they're dying. Oh my god, that's so funny. I said, like, almost the exact same line that Richard Ryan says in it. He's like, I'm dying, John. I don't care that you're dying. <laughs> I do not care. But, um, yeah, I've, I don't know. I feel like I'm a person who needs to know, like, the who, what, why, and when. What's that called again? Like, the five W's? Who, what, when, where, Yeah, why? yeah, that thing. All that. I need to know that when I'm watching the movie because I just had so many questions about, like, logically. Like, A, where did these aliens come from? B, why are they dying? C, why does John have this special ability, the psychokinesis? D, why is Jennifer Connelly so fucking useless in this movie? And why is she singing these, like, really bad lounge <laughs> covers of... Uh, what song did she sing? Sway, right? Something like that. She I don't sang... Know. 
Is there a soundtrack for this movie? Yes, there is. Yep, uh, Sway. I'm oh, sure Brian should have done a song on this. She she did not think she lip synced. Oh, okay. It was for some reason I read somewhere that it was her vocals, but yep. I guess I was misinformed. So much for that, yeah. Jennifer Connelly. Okay, but anyway, what? <laughs> I just thought of something really what? funny. Imagine, imagine if Richard O'Brien like gave her the the hook oh god and then went up on stage and started singing time oh, Warp for something god. <laughs> that would be so funny oh man but like i said maybe maybe the only reason i found the movie a little stale and kind of a mashup of blade runner and brazil and like all these other like quote-unquote dystopian movies is just because like we've lived so long that we've seen a lot of other films that this could be compared to. Like, it is funny how I thought Dementor. Like, immediately when I saw the aliens, the, uh, what are they I mean, I them? thought of Mr. Smith, but... Oh, all right, that's you interesting. Know, not really Dementor. I don't know, just the black I associated with these, like, weird Dementor-looking creature things. And all. The Strangers. Yeah, the Strangers, yeah. That's what they're called. And the little kid was such a little freak. Oh, he's... I hate that he, kid. He was so creepy. He was so weird. Just the... Anytime you use kids in, like, a weird horror context... Yeah. Um, not dark country. Dark oh, there was this... Re- we... I remember we, we were laughing pretty hard at the part where it just it shows a close-up of him. Away. No, there's a close-up of him and he goes, kill him! Or something <laughs> like that. When they're about to, I guess, kill John or whatever. Yeah. And I don't understand how the city is actually, like, in space. Well, it's a mothership. Yeah. But yeah. Like, enlighten me. Like, explain. Like, it's a so ship. The city is not on Earth. No. The city is... It's on a ship. It's yeah. on a ship. Yeah. Okay. It's a ship that looks like a city. Oh. Yeah. Why? You don't remember that part no, where they, do, the camera literally like, pans no, I know, out I know, but I don't understand. The whole but thing. see, my question is, why? What happened to Earth? Why aren't these people well, they, on Earth? Well, he, the doctor explains is that they kidnapped society, oh. took them on the ship, and then just started oh, doing all and then this they weird started shit. Started doing with all them. this weird like experiment shit. Yeah, where everybody falls asleep, and then immediately when they fall asleep, they like change around the city, and they like yeah. the aliens mess with the humans and steal their memories. Well, not even stealing their memories. Like, they're implanting them with memories. But like, which... they're giving them all these, like, different identities. That's so creepy. Yeah. I don't like that. And my favorite part of them doing that in the movie, I don't know if you remember this, but it's the one where um, the couple are, like, sitting down at the table, and they're very, like, stereotypically, like, schlubby and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then when the strangers start performing all the experiments on them they change them up to be like this like very high class like (laughs) posh like rich people Um, and they change their like apartment completely into like this like mini mansion it's like it's really funny that's and i i do remember you saying at one part that you were very impressed by the effects yeah, the, the effects period, I thought were really good for the time period. Yeah, yeah, and they were, and that like that stuff, like when like like that scene in particular, like when they're changing the apartment and stuff, is very impressive. And yeah, I also like, really love um, like when like when like when the buildings kind of uh, morph into like uh, into like different areas, and John's like clinging onto. No, it one was of very them. creative though. Like I want to yeah. know what the inspiration was for this. 
by the director and the story. Probably a lot of anime, I would assume. Yeah, right? I mean, I don't know. I definitely I don't saw, know. like, a sort of anime. Aesthetic. I mean, the, the whole... The thing that I really love about it, too... I mean, I love movies that, like, take place in, like, these... Uh, um, Mini worlds. Like, what's the word? Dingy? Is yeah, that dingy, the word? Yeah. yeah. Like, these dingy, like, dark, dark cities... Um, like industrial kind of stuff going on, which also that's very David Lynch, by the way. I, I do get a little bit of like, um, Eraserhead vibes when I, from this film Well, I definitely got bit. Blue Velvet vibes when she started singing. Yeah, it's like Blue Velvet and Eraserhead kind of a little bit, and The Matrix. It's like if Blue Velvet, Eraserhead, and The Matrix had a kid. Hmm. That's... <laughs> no, I definitely see it. I definitely see it. I just felt like... I felt the pacing was good in the movie. Like, it yeah. moved pretty quickly from one thing to the next. I felt like it didn't spend too much time on too much. And it's not even like... The film was always bringing you towards the fight at the end between the strangers and John. Yeah. Like, nobody cared about the dead prostitute. They kind of brushed over. They're like, eh. Nobody ever cares about nobody the dead Nobody ever cares about the dead prostitute. But that was originally why the police officer was investigating him, yeah. correct? Because of the dead prostitute. And then he, like, didn't know his identity... And then Jennifer Connelly cheated on him. Well, she didn't really cheat on him. That was just the story that they, they wrote for them, basically. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. But there were there was a lot of like unintentionally like funny moments in the yeah, film. It was like a little camp. like I remember the like the part where Richard O'Brien he says something like, "Haven't seen you in so long." Yes, and then you just see him start floating oh, up into so the creepy. sky. No, I did find them so creepy. It was, the it was, I don't know why, but I just thought that was so funny. What would we you just do burst if, like, out. A group of strangers were like in your bedroom. You're like sleeping. All of a sudden, you open your eyes and you just see all these like people in black. These bald. I bastards. would scream and try to run. <laughs> no, they're terrible. I thought Keith Kiefer Sutherland did a good job. Oh yeah, the he's really good. Scientist. Yeah. But what was his M.O. for helping the aliens? Because he didn't want to die and get killed. He was kind of held hostage. Well, yeah, they were just kind of using... Because he was very uh, smart with that kind of stuff. So they were just using him for those, for their experiments. Um, Do you think he was good or evil or somewhere in between? He was a gray character, You would I describe would him as a great yeah. character? How, you, you would describe Murdoch as a... What type of character would you describe Murdoch as? Like, the blank slate hero. Yeah, like, my the, one thing the, is... The hero that everybody can project themselves onto. Because essentially, like, they... I found they, him kind of bland. Because the wrong? whole... The red herring of the film is that his identity is this psychotic killer. But eventually what we find out in the film is that that was never true at all. Like, all the characters in reality... Well, not all the characters, but... The human characters are basically just these blank slates... That are be, being given these false identities and backstories and memories and all that stuff. So essentially, you could even just see John himself as being just kind of working. Like his character works in the sense that like anybody could project themselves onto him. Cause oh, I get that. Because at the end of the day, he's a blank slate. No, you know? I definitely understand that. You know. I definitely. But I found him a little bland. Like, I felt like I was more interested in, like... Like, the doctor. The doctor. Yeah. I was more interested in the strangers. Even, yeah, even the strangers are more interesting yeah, than the human characters. Yeah, but I felt like the characterization, characters. like, the, I found him boring. 
like his storyline, even though he's the protagonist, I wasn't super. I mean, Jennifer in. Connelly probably has the most boring storyline I mean, in the whole boring. film. Oh my god! <laughs> I also thought it was really funny too. The part where she goes to visit him at the jail or yeah, whatever, yeah, and he breaks, and he breaks it, the glass, and they don't notice and that he breaks of, the glass. No, yes, I don't even think it's that they don't notice it; they just don't react to it. Like, won't they just be like, what the fuck did you I know. do? Like, why the did you shatter the glass? The glass? Like, so they're just funny. grabbing him. They don't I say anything. I laughed out loud when he broke the glass and nobody cared. Yeah, nobody, nobody cared. Anything. That was it's funny. so funny. So unintentionally funny. Definitely. Yeah. Why? My question is, why? I think it's just the way it's presented. Like, it's a little, like... Like... Well, it's hammy. You know what I mean? No, like, it's... Hammy. You know... It's camp. Yeah, a little bit, but it works, and it and it especially works for Richard O'Brien because Richard O'Brien is the king of camp. I would say um, he created like the campiest cult film ever made. So like, I you know. I did think one scene between Murdoch and Emma, the scene where Emma's on the phone in jail or whatever yeah. with him, the scene where he breaks the glass, it had. Um, Annie, hold me like you did at Naboo syndrome. <laughs> like when the dialogue is just really bad and it's like a romantic scene where she's like, hold me like yeah. you did at the lake. But that's the, Naboo. That, that is one of, I guess, one of the problems that the film does have is that like it wants you to care about these two leads. But, but they same, don't characterize but, them enough for you to care about But what them. we know from what we, from the information that we're given from the film is that they don't, they don't, there's no real connection with them. So in the end, it's just sort of like, well, why should we even really care if they are going to end up together or not? Right. You know what they, I mean? They, they, you know what? That, that is exactly part of my problem. Maybe that's why I didn't love the movie. Because I felt like the movie was very low stakes. And I feel like if it's a dystopian film where you have these psycho aliens trying to steal your memories and fuck up your yeah. life, yeah, no, I feel like, like things should feel high stakes. There should be high drama. When I watch Blade Runner, that movie feels high stakes to me. Yeah. But this movie did not feel high stakes. It felt like, eh, if they resolve it, they resolve it. If they don't, they don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it felt kind of, like, not a big deal. Yeah, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I love this film. But, like, that is, like, one of the, I guess, weaknesses of it. You know? One review says, X-Men looking ass. <laughs> what? <laughs> On Letterboxd, he says, for something called Dark City, it sure is white as hell. Oh, X-Men <laughs> looking ass. That's Who the, wrote that? Oh, one of the reviewers. Yeah, one of the reviewers. Letterboxd. Yeah. That's kind of funny. It would have been a really good, like, TV show. Or graphic novel. I could have seen it working in... Oh, yeah, in, I get a lot of I could have seen it working vibes. in, like, yeah. a different format. I feel like a film... A film did not really give it enough time for the characters to get the characterization or the setting to get the characterization it deserved. Or the villains. You know? People like backstory. At least I you do. You don't always need backstory, though. Sometimes, sometimes less is more. I like backstory. <clears throat> I like mystery, you know? What? You just like vagueness where you have no idea what's going on in the movie? I mean... Yes. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> yes. Now, there's been multiple cuts of this movie or just one cut? I'm trying to Has think. there been? No, I'm, I'm asking you. If oh, you actually, know. I think the one that we watched was the director's cut. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I don't know how that one differs from any other type of version that there might be out there. I know. I actually what I what I found very strange 
while watching this film this time around was it it seemed a lot shorter than i remembered it being oh did you yeah i remember i for some reason i remembered it being kind of longer it felt shorter this time this time around for some reason i don't know why Hmm. it reminds me very much i'm sure christopher nolan was um inspired by it memento oh it reminded me yeah no well actually the city does kind of look like the way gotham does in batman begins anyway yeah not really so much in the dark knight but in batman begins the the aesthetic of batman begins is is a little it's a little bit more comic booky than uh the dark knight is which i feel like is kind of like the thing that this movie kind of goes for is kind of like that comic booky kind of well, that's why I feel like graphic you know. novel or comic would have been a better format for this type of story. Or at least if it was a TV show, I feel like it would have had more time to kind of give characterization to the characters. Like, you want to be able to root for the characters and root against the villains and root for the characters to succeed. And I felt like the characterization of the characters was so bland, I felt like I didn't feel invested in what happened to them while I was watching. Yeah. Does that make sense? So, like, you didn't care at all? No, like, I cared about John. I cared about John, but I didn't care about the wife. I didn't care about Yeah, Jennifer I didn't Connelly. care about the wife. I didn't even care I about... I didn't care about the policeman. The, yeah, I didn't policeman, care about the yeah. prostitute who got murdered. I didn't really care about the scientist. I liked watching the villains, though. I mean, I care about the the scientist a little bit just because, like, you can tell that there's a little bit more going on with him than we're led to see. Believe. I like at the end when everything gets revealed. When oh, the, yeah, well, that... Uh, you mean like the part where they're the at scientists the reveal? Ship? No, where the scientist reveals everything. Oh, like on the John. the boat. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good scene. What um, do you think Shell Beach is a metaphor for? That's what I wanted to ask you. So when he says, when he says, "Oh, my childhood was spent at Shell Beach," was his childhood actually spent there, or was no? That it was all fake. fake. It was yeah. all a fake memory then. Yeah, pretty much. That's dark. Which I guess, like, in a it from a story telling perspective it's like the old it's i guess it's supposed to be kind of like the ultimate like heart crushing moment is when you realize that shell beach there's it doesn't even exist at all that's like when i discovered my father's not my real father i'm just kidding i'm just not kidding no it definitely makes you think that's what i appreciated about the film i will say that it did make me think a little bit yeah i mean the and i like these cerebral I think the, sort of sci-fi films yeah like the the themes of the film are a lot stronger than like the story itself. What would you say are the themes of the film though? Like if you had to whittle it down, what would you say? Memory, identity, daylight, (laughs) not a candle at midnight or no. What are the lyrics? I forget. I always just think of that song from cats. Whenever somebody says memory, whenever, whenever somebody sings that, I always think of the scene with Miranda Cosgrove in school of rock. It's so easy to love me. (laughs) No. Um, gosh. Yeah. We got to review cats one day. We got to just do it. I haven't seen it, but I haven't seen it either. Anyway, back to this. So the themes are memory, obviously memory, like identity. Um, Do you think the aliens are truly evil or misguided? I don't know. I mean, I guess, yeah, they're kind of evil because they're, like, they're leeching off of a civilization just for their own kind of selfish 
purposes. But they're you know? dying. But I'm dying, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna use that now. But I'm dying. Oh my god. That's like when I was watching Jennifer Connelly, I was thinking, she's really good. <laughs> like when she started singing. That's another classic line from another classic film. But you should yeah. just sit down one night and just have like a like a, a play a drinking game with uh Camp Rock. Oh god. Oh Camp Rock. What what a what a what a masterpiece. Camp Rock. <laughs> She's yeah. really good. She's really good. Yeah, I'm kind of annoyed that Jennifer Connelly didn't do her own singing. I feel like she should have really pulled in Isabella Rossellini. If you're going to have an actor sing, have them really sing in the movie. But that was very superfluous. I'm like, they just wanted to make her a nightclub singer and make her look sexy on stage. That was the whole purpose of that. To kind of, that was a homage to Blue Velvet, definitely. I mean, I think that it was just a homage to just the femme fatale trope. Where, you know. Is she always like a jazz singer? Yeah, she's always a jazz singer. She's always like some sort of singer. She's always, um... Like, very the, sexy. The wife of, of the main character. Yeah. Or at least the one that the main character is Or sometimes she's after. the wife of a villain. Yeah, she's like she's like the wife of the villain yeah. that the main character has to go up against. Um, yeah, I don't know. But it, it is, like, it, it's an interesting blend of kind of, like, old cinema and, like, new... Well... At this point, it's, like, 20 years old, so it's not really new cinema, but it's, like, newer cinema. Oh, I definitely you know? see that. No, I definitely see the, uh, it harkens back to those film noirs. Yeah. Which is something that I don't think The Matrix really does. I mean, The Matrix, I th- I think, kind of borrows a little bit from, like, older films. Because I, I watched a, a, uh, a video recently about... Um, how the guy said that the, the the opening of the Matrix is kind of similar to the opening of Vertigo, which I never I didn't realize before, but it was kind of interesting. But um, but yeah, like this film definitely kind of like it's like the Matrix. If it's like the Matrix, like if it borrowed more from film noir, you know, instead of just regular old sci-fi. sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then the late nineties was a good time for sci-fi, wasn't it? I mean, the late 90s was just a very interesting period for film in general. When did Gattaca come out? Like, yeah, like a year before. Oh, all right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why, that's why I'm yeah. thinking of, like, the late 90s. There was something about sci-fi. But they all kind of looked the same, too. I like, know. they, always, they yeah. always had, like, that kind of, like, green tint to them. And it was mm-hmm. like, yeah. Yeah, but what was it about the late 90s that lended itself to all these sci-fi movies coming out? I don't know. It was just kind of the zeitgeist, I guess. Yeah. It was uh, all the... Oh, yeah, that's another kind of... Actually, we completely forgot about that film, Gattaca. That kind of has, like, a dystopian thing going on. And that also... Class plays a big part in that film as well. Do you think class plays a role in Dark City? Not really. I mean, you could kind of see, like, the strangers and the humans as being kind of like a metaphor for class because the like strangers are like the poor people and the humans are like the rich people no like the humans are like the poor people and the strangers are kind of like the rich people because it's like they're preying off of the weaker you know what i mean see, it's funny you see it that way i see the humans are the rich people because the humans have what the strangers want the strangers are the ones the strangers are the ones who are gonna die without the um humans yeah true I mean, you do kind of see a little, I guess, a little bit of a class thing going on. Because it's like, 
I mean, unless, like, they were, like, in... The characters were, like, in law enforcement. It's, like, if they weren't, they were either just... They were either, like, murderers or hookers <laughs> or these, like, femme hookers. fatales. You know what I think you know? this movie could have benefited from? And you're going to disagree with me. What? Honestly, I think this movie could have benefited from a sex scene. Because... <laughs> why are you laughing? I'm serious. No, I do. I think the movie could have benefited from a sex scene. Because I feel like a sex scene between I mean, John and... kind of get a sex Emma. scene. I mean, it's not... There's no sex scene, but... I mean, the hooker takes off her clothes. You so know like, what I mean. That's like the closest thing we get to. No, a sex but I scene. mean a sex scene between Jennifer Connelly's character and the main character. That I would think... have been like the most awkward sex scene ever. It's like, I don't know who you are, but I'm gonna <laughs> fuck you anyway. No, right? <laughs> no, but I, I just feel like I was just very surprised watching this movie that there wasn't a sex scene because I feel like I would have. It just seems like the type of movie that would have added in like a gratuitous like love scene. Most sci-fi films have love scenes, don't they? Yeah, well, Gattaca has a love scene between Ethan Hawke and Uma, uh, Thurman, Uma Thurman. Who later got together in real life and yeah. divorced. Um, yeah, I just felt like the film could have benefited from some fucking. Definitely. Basically, if you want John to like your film, <laughs> no! he just had to put in a sex no, scene. But I just, no, but from an artistic perspective, John's I just, feel like... John's watching Toy Story and he's like, you know who would really benefit? <laughs> you got a friend in me. <laughs> a sex scene. Now go lick my pee-pee. No. Um. <laughs> if John had been a writer in Toy Story, he would have had Buzz Jesse, and Woody Buzz going and Woody. at it. No, not Buzz and Woody. Um... I was about to say Reptar. No, what's the T-Rex dude? Rex. Rex. Rex okay. and Mrs. Potato would have had an affair or something. No, I don't think kids' movies need it, obviously, but I, I think this adult <laughs> movie could have used it. This movie and Monsters, Inc. and The Incredibles, and I just feel like it would have really added a lot of spice to these spiceless yeah. movies. Definitely. Sex always makes everything better in a movie. Always. Not once have I ever seen a movie where I thought, eh, this sex scene didn't really add that much. I mean, what about the, <laughs> what about the room? I'm just where there's like five the sex scenes I mean, and there's no point. I mean, the room's they, crazy. You don't even need the, them the room, at all. The room sex scenes were like gratuitous. I think we needed one scene between him and Lisa. One scene would have been fine. but You would have been okay with one scene. He but, added like, like three. Like the fact that there were like five? No, I think there's three. Really? Three or and four. And they're all like like 10 minutes long i like how he's just humping her leg in the scene yeah. it's just like it's not even that graphic it's just gross because you see this gross man humping this blonde woman in the room and all but i think a, a love scene when done tastefully can advance the plot a little bit because it shows that the characters really i guess care about each other <laughs> a little bit john he broke a window for her i mean yeah but he really should have fucked her to show he cared about her that was my thing i was waiting for the fucking while watching this movie i said when is the sex scene it, it is kind of tame for an r-rated that's film. what i yeah. thought i felt like for a sci-fi film with these like heavy themes i mean it's fine i mean you have these syringes being stabbed into these people's heads so, yeah like, so if they show that why aren't they showing some like nudity I mean, they do show nudity. Yeah, but just the prostitute. I wanted to see Jennifer Connelly get down and dirty in this movie. I wanted to see her. I wanted to see her bang the policeman. I wanted to see her bang Murdoch. I wanted to see, like, I don't know, some, you know, je ne sais quoi in the movie. And I feel like the movie didn't give me, like, that relief, that void in the movie. 
Yeah. Yes. Is there anything else that you would want to see? <laughs> Everything in that it? I else would have wanted to see. I wanted to see five million explosions, like in every Michael Bay yeah, like, yeah. picture. No. Other than that, no. I was fine. I just felt like a sex scene would have added something because I felt like it would have gotten you to care about the characters a little more. Because you're like, oh, these characters clearly love each other because they're fucking, you know. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, I mean, it is kind of strange, too. I feel like they're, like, John and... Um, they didn't have a lot of chemistry. But what was her name? Emma? Yeah. Yeah, that's a bad sign, too, when you can't even remember I the know, character's right? name. I know, right? You can't even remember the character's yeah. name. She was so She's useless. She's just the femme fatale. She was so useless. No, but, like, um, I don't even remember what I was going to say. John and Emma? Like, they didn't have a lot of scenes together, either. Yeah, I'm like, how? I didn't buy at once that these people were once married. I'm like, they don't look like but they But they be- weren't. They were never actually married, and that's the point. I know. I'm like, these people would never be able to pick themselves out in a supermarket. Be like, oh, it's my wife. Oh, it's my husband. Like, they totally did not have any chemistry whatsoever. Yeah. So, at the end of the day, what do you think of this film? Three stars out of five, worth a rewatch in maybe five years. I'll watch it again. <laughs> five years? To reevaluate Ooh. it. But I don't think it was shit, but I don't think it was wonderful. It felt like a mixture of all these sci-fi tropes and everything. I liked the aesthetic of the movie, but I felt like the plot and characterization of the characters was a little thin. But that's just me. I mean, I think that the film is really good at what it does really well. Which but I think where is- do you think it suffers? Well, just, like, with character. Yeah, I think it suffers name. a little bit. But, like, as far as, like, themes go and, like, the visuals and some of the performances, I think it's really good. And I think, I I will admit, I don't think this film gets talked about as much as it should. Oh, it's definitely a well. I, I mean, think it should. I, I had never heard of it. It should definitely be talked about more than it is. No, I definitely. Because it gets overshadowed by The Matrix, which I think is kind of a shame. You're I think ma- it should you're be You're a Matrix talked- hater? I'm not a hater. I'm just not, like, a lover either. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Wait, I'm not a hater, but I'm not a lover, so you're, like, ambivalent about the Matrix. I'm a bitch. I'm a mother. I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm a saint. <laughs> no, it's like, I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. Robin Williams Disney's, Disney's flubber. flubber. Oh, yeah. that's the best. That is the best meme I think I'll ever see in this life. Nothing will ever top that meme. Yeah. And all. Well, at least Jennifer Connelly starred in, like, better projects after this, I think. Oh, yeah, and I thought it was very fascinating, too, how Trevor Jones also wrote the score for this movie. And he also wrote the score for Labyrinth. Now, how old was she when they did Labyrinth? Labyrinth? I think she was, like, 16. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Gotta what? Watch, gotta watch what I say now. Um, I mean, John, she's, like, 50 now. <laughs> now she's like, 50. No, but she, she's always been pretty. She's always been... She's married to Vision in Marvel. Oh, is she yeah, really? Yeah, Paul Bettany. I think she's married to him. That's interesting. That's an interesting pairing. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Everybody's married she, to everybody. She would be good in, in a Marvel project. I'm surprised she hasn't been in the MCU. I, I thought could, she... Oh, no, no, no. That's I'm, the, I'm, the, how I Met Your Mother. In, that's the How I Met Your Mother. No, girl. she was in... Um, she was in the first Hulk movie. Oh, was she? Yeah. Oh, never mind. Not the other one with um Edward. Not Mark Ruffalo. With Edward Norton. She wasn't in that one, but she was in the the one that came before it. Oh, like the crappy one. 
like the really bad one yeah i haven't oh, seen both that bad i haven't i mean i haven't seen it in a really long time so i can't really i, I think the whole people is not say a compelling that character people say that it's not a good film but i can't really judge because i haven't seen it in a long time so yeah is no but it, no but the thing is, the hulk is a really compelling character you find him compelling? That, i mean again it's the whole idea of identity and duality and the shadow self and yeah, yeah. you could see that. like the hulk being kind of the shadow self of bruce banner definitely i just yeah. think for some reason they can't do him right they can't do the fantastic i mean they Four, did him right? really great in the avengers movies no in the uh, mark ruffalo he should have mark ruffalo should have had his own movie yeah it's a shame that they i mean i know technically the edward norton one is part of it's part of the mcu it's right considered part of it but yeah i don't know they should have had a movie with mark ruffalo yeah i don't know all i want in this life is a really great x-men movie and i want a really great fantastic four movie that's all i want and I feel like I I can't get what I want. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. I don't know. Which goes back to Dark City because the aliens can't get what they want. Either. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, like, it's like, what? You wanted to learn to be human? No. We just wanted really good, fantastic full movies. I mean, does that make me a bad person? Does that make me selfish for one? No. I just don't want, like, Jessica Alba to be, like, Sue Storm. She's just not a very good actress. I want somebody good to play her. And in terms of I love how everybody calls the the newer film Fan 4 stick. Oh. (laughs) Because of the... The way the poster oh, made the Oh, the new Fantastic Four, like, the third one. I heard it was really bad. I'm never watching it. It's terrible. I mean, I don't know. I have a wish list. All of the actors were really good individually, though. Like, Richard O'Brien was very good as the alien. Kiefer, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, before yeah. he stars as Jack Bauer on 24. Jennifer Connelly is good, despite good. her not really having that much of an and intriguing the dude, character. And the dude who played, like, Murdoch, right? Was that Yeah, him? Rufus Sewell. Yeah, I think whoever that I could is. be pronouncing that wrong. Never seen him before. I've actually seen him in other stuff. Actually, it was really fascinating, because years ago, uh, when my family were renting um, a movie called The Holiday... Have you heard? Have you heard of the is holiday? It's Jack the one with Jack Black, Black and Kate, Cam- Winslet. Uh, Kate Winslet, Cameron Diaz, and yeah, Jude yeah, yeah, Law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all in that movie, and that the guy who plays John in this movie, um, Rufus Sewell, plays like the jerky ex boyfriend of um, Kate Winslet in oh, the holiday. That's interesting. So when they were renting that movie, I was like, "Oh, holy shit! That's the guy from Dark City." Oh, that's so I couldn't funny. believe it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this has been Cinemaniac Jack. I'm your host, Jack. Today's guest co-host was John. Bye-bye. See you next time.